Welcome back to Jesus is Coming Soon with Mike Shaw. I'm Mike. How you doing? Hope you're having a wonderful day so far. Uh, again, this podcast, we get to encourage the body of Christ. And yeah, Jesus is coming soon. I do believe that. The Apostle Paul believed that. And what does that mean then? That means we should live for him. We should be ready for his soon coming. We should encourage each other. And that certainly is what we uh, try to do here on this show. And don't forget, we're at freshroadmedia.com. No apology with Emily and Chris, the flagship there. Pastor Chris's teaching uh, platform, Bible Idiots, also found there. And you can find uh, previous episodes of Jesus is Coming Soon uh, with Mike Shaw and future episodes too. Why not? Why stop there? <laughs> All right. We have a great guest today. I'm very excited to bring him on. Andrew Gomison speaking for him as his ministry. Andrew, how are you today? I'm doing very well and I'm excited to be here with you, Mike. Yeah. Thank you so much for accepting my invitation. Now you were on No Apology with Emily and Chris earlier in the year. And this is what I want to start with. Um, your testimony uh, that you gave to Emily and Chris was so powerful and really affected me. And, you know, there is some overlap obvi audience, obviously, but some new people will be watching this that didn't see that. And I, if you don't mind, could you give us your testimony again? Uh, and we'll just springboard off of that. I would be glad to. Um, I was born in May of 1979 to Christian parents. So they always taught me from the beginning that God had a plan for everything. And I was born three months prematurely, uh, which is why I have cerebral palsy and I've never walked a day in my life. And when I was um, one year old, that's when my parents found out about cerebral palsy and the fact that they had an oldest son that would never walk. And I'm sure that was very difficult on them for a variety of reasons. I know dads always picture, you know, playing baseball with their sons in the yard. And that was something that wasn't going to happen, at least in the conventional way for me. And then when I was almost five, my great grandfather passed away. And I asked my mom if he was going to heaven or if he went to heaven and she said, I don't know for sure because I'm not I'm not sure what he did with Jesus. And so it was at that, that point that God convicted me uh, that I needed to make a decision for Jesus Christ. And I decided with the help of my mother to enter God's kingdom through adoption. And I was born again that day um, in April of 1984, approximately. And I've been serving the Lord uh, since then, although the first nine years of my salvation were really rough for me because I knew where my permanent destination was. I knew heaven was awaiting, but I thought that my temporary destination stunk. I was like, God, why would you allow me to be in this crippled body if you wanted me to serve you? If you would heal me, then I could serve you. If you would heal me, then I could do so much for you. But since you left me in this body, I guess there's nothing I can do. And that was the back and forth between him and I for the ensuing uh, about nine years where I kept insisting that I couldn't do anything, but he never let go of me. And when I was 13, I hit rock bottom because my seemingly healthy baby brother went to bed for a nap. Um, 
and never woke up. He was three months and eight days old. And I remember asking my mom and God, why would you leave me here, God, when I'm completely useless and take my healthy baby brother to be with you? And I remember wanting nothing more than to die. I remember there were times when I would go out into the front yard. We lived in a suburb and it was a pretty busy street. And I remember at least having the fleeting thought, what if I just drove my wheelchair into the street and went to heaven to be with my baby brother? And, uh, but God stayed my hand and he also made me a captive audience because of my parents were able to put me in the van every Sunday for the ensuing year and make me go to church, even though God and I were not on very good terms. And here's the thing, though. I argued with God and continued to be mad at God through that whole year, but I never denied his existence. And so I think that's very key is the fact that I never came to a point of totally doubting God's existence because you can't argue with someone that you don't believe exists. So when I was 14, so about a year after my brother's death, I went to a conference and one of the sessions was on 10 things you can't change about yourselves. And one of those is the way God made you physically. And it was at, at that time when I was confronted with the verse in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And I realized that that included my wheelchair and included my disability. And from that point on as a 14 year old kid, I committed to sharing Christ whenever I had the opportunity. I didn't always follow through, but that was the commitment that I made. And I saw him open doors This month, I celebrated 23 years doing jail ministry, um, and in 2009, God led me to start my Speaking for Him ministry, where I go into churches, as many as will call me to preach, and preach, whether it be pulpit supply or special events speaking, I'm there if I'm called to be there, and I also do a podcast, which is coming up on its 11th anniversary of having an episode every week with no interruptions to God be the glory. (laughs) That's amazing, Andrew. I mean, what a story, you know, um, all the circumstances that you've outlined being, you know, being born premature, having cerebral palsy, never being able to walk. um, I, these are things most of us that are able-bodied can't even imagine. And we just take, you know, the way we were born and our abilities for granted. Um, and then you fast forward and go what happened with uh, with your brother and everything else. Um, it's it sounded like, you know, the phrase, you know, you can get better or you can get bitter. And, you know, of course, God and his goodness brought you around to better. Um, and we know that God can handle the complaining. He's certainly big enough. And all you have to do is read the Psalms. Um, it sounds like, uh, you know, the the first years of your Christianhood were kind of like the Psalms, crying out to God, complaining to God about your circumstances, and then him bringing you around, you praising him and bearing fruit. Um, and I want to know about that process, because um, I went through really tough time just before COVID and 
and during COVID when my mom got sick and she died and, um, you know, I was really convicted about our relationship on how I could have handled that better. And it really broke me. And through that brokenness, God was able to show me my heart um, and, and then lift me back up. And it's really changed my life. It's changed my relationship with him um, in, in ways that I didn't expect through that brokenness. It, do you have a similar story about going through those tough times and those crying out to God and coming out on the other side even better as a result? Well, yes, absolutely. And it's kind of ironic that you mentioned that because I made that commitment at 14 years old to trust him and to share him with everyone. And then it was like um, 14 years later at around 28, it was like God put me through another test and was like, do you really believe the things you're telling people? And so I think periodically he, he does that, not because he doesn't know, because he knows everything but because he wants us to know uh, what we're made of and he wants us to know what we believe. Um, and so it w- there was another period where it was like, do you really believe what you're telling people that you believe? And I came out on the other side knowing that, yes, indeed, I do. And you were talking about COVID. Yeah. That was a really hard time for me too. I remember, I'll never forget it was Friday, March 13th. I was working at the Potter's House Christian High School in Grand Rapids, Michigan. They called us into a meeting and said, we're closing for three weeks. Yeah. Because initially it was a two-week uh, shutdown of everything. Yep. Just a little spread, but they said the spring, spring break is the third week, so we're closing for three weeks. Well, we ended up closing for the rest of the semester, and... I don't know how it was where you were or where you were at the time, but in Michigan, it was like an 82 day uh, shutdown where everybody was basically home and only necessities like grocery stores were open. And even some of those had specific hours when you could be there. So it was a real rough time for me. I remember doing Facebook lives every day as part of my uh, sanity and trying to reach out and minister to people, even from my home, I kind of have a regret that in 2021, my Facebook was hacked. So I don't have access to any of those COVID diaries anymore. I would certainly like to look back and see video evidence of God's faithfulness through that time. But he really was. And it was really a time when I had to say every day, um, I'm going to trust you Lord for today because if anybody had, had said that I would be in my house for 82 days, except for one time leaving to go through the drive through at the bank, right. I would have said they were crazy, but it yeah. was one day, then it was two days, then it was two weeks, then it was three weeks, then it was six weeks. I think the, one of the most ironic, funny things was in February of 2020, I was clearing out the hard drive of my computer and I almost deleted this little software that we're all familiar with, Zoom. And then <laughs> after March of 2020, I was on it three or four times a week for a variety of reasons, whether it was ministry or work related or just chatting with friends. So I'm glad I didn't delete it. And I'm glad we all learned about video conferencing through this 
So I guess there was a silver lining. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, God works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And, you know, what I've found through the hard times and um, he gets us through and we come out better on the other side where you're we're better off for the lesson. Kind of a, a chance to plug our, our mutual friend, uh, Pastor Chris Danielson's Bible Idiots. Um, his sermon Sunday was all about this, you know, growing up and growing out of your cave. He was talking about Daniel being kind of depressed in a cave with Saul coming to hunt him and, you know, how our hearts should be towards God during those hard times and what God can do through that process to prepare us for a future. And it sounds like uh, God certainly is with you, sir, and, and working that out in your life. And and the world's a better place for it. Um, I feel bad for you because you were in Michigan. Um, I don't know how political you get, but Governor Whitmer is, um, how do I say this? She's terrible. And then <laughs> in Texas, where I was, uh, wasn't nearly as bad. We were locked down for a while, but uh, we opened up probably as early as most, uh, although South Dakota didn't, didn't lock down at all. But um, so at least on the political side, I was in a better place than well, you. I'm actually very politically active. As a matter of fact, mm -hmm. in June of this past year, so the beginning of summer, I started adding a second podcast episode to my podcast stream where I do a news and current events podcast every Monday from a Christian perspective. And yes, I affectionately call her aunt Gretch. And <laughs> the joke for my birthday that year was that aunt Gretch wouldn't let me go out and celebrate. So <laughs> that's good. That's good. And you know, um, I'm glad that she's, cause that was the other part I wanted to, I wanted to, I mean, we just naturally transitioned into it. So, um, you know, talking about the culture wars, talking about what's going on uh, around the world. Um, how long have you been doing that segment now on your podcast? I, I well, I started out um, probably two or three years ago doing a doing two or three news stories to start out my weekly Speaking for Him podcast, and then I'd segue into my main segment. But I ran into some people who were not too happy that I was waxing political on politic issues before I got into a main segment, like particularly if I would have someone on to interview them and then they would share the interview with somebody else, then they would get a little uncomfortable that I was sharing my political views before I shared their interview. So after conferring uh, particularly with my father, I decided to split my news commentary into a whole separate podcast episode oh. each week because I toyed with the idea of giving it up, but I realized I couldn't do that with a good conscience right? because every political issue is a moral issue. And so you have to look at it through the lens of the word of God. And what so many people don't understand is that we have the freedom in America to make decisions for our country that other countries wish they had. And I always tell people, if you do not want to vote or be involved in the political process, you can choose any number of other countries to go to where you never have to worry about that a day in your life, but you'll regret it. 
Those are wise words right there. Um, that's kind of a summary of what I, a different paraphrase of what I like to say, which is you may not be interested in politics, but politics is interested in you. <laughs> and when you live in a free country where you do have the right to vote and the right to speak uh, in the public square, even though they're trying to take that away, um, it, it's incumbent on you as a citizen of your country and especially if you're a Christian, you know, um, you know, people, people who um, who argue against Christians being in the public square or being in politics or saying, well, you're just trying to push your religion on us. And it's like you're trying to push push your non-religion on me. And so you've got it exactly right. Every political issue is a moral issue. Every part of the culture war is a moral issue. And I'm so glad that you're, that you're taking on, um, you know, those things in, in your podcast. Now, what kind of things have you covered lately? Well, uh, on the, on this past Monday's episode, we talked about the appointment of the new Senator for the state of California. Um, I almost said the great state of California, but (laughs) very many people feel that way right now. Uh, Um, And it was really evident to me and hopefully to everyone that this was not about this person's accomplishments. It was about checking boxes and it really seems to be the administration of, you know, just check the politically correct boxes. And then everybody goes off about how great it is that she's shattering glass ceilings. No, somebody broke the glass ceiling for her and stuck her there. She didn't break a glass ceiling. Yeah. I mean, so you're not afraid to go onto the tough issues and the controversial stuff because some people would be afraid to touch that. Well, we also talked about the representative who supposedly accidentally pulled the fire alarm in the Capitol. And the video shows that that's just not possible. Um, Yeah, we we know that Jamal Bowman, who who used to be a middle school principal... was saying that he couldn't figure out how to get outside out a locked door. And so he thought the fire alarm was going to open the door. We know that um, he's either really dumb or he's lying and he doesn't come across as really dumb. Every middle school principal I know knows how fire alarms work. Now, did you tie this in? Because the January 6th defendants, a lot of them, are being charged with obstructing a legal, I mean, uh, an official proceeding on Capitol Hill. That's one of the charges against them. And what uh, Representative Bowman was trying to do was to obstruct uh, an official proceeding that was going on, the vote. He was trying to buy time for more votes. So if he doesn't get prosecuted, then the January 6th defendants shouldn't be prosecuted. Agree? Well, and it's very reminiscent as well of that time a year a year or two ago when the Democrats left the state to oh, avoid yeah. voting on one issue or another. I forget what it was, but I'm like, just vote yes or no. And if the votes don't go your way, then do what you can within the bounds of the law to override it or to go against it. That's fine. But your job is to vote yes or no. Yep. And there's too much of this. Um, I don't think the votes are going to go my way. So I'm going to do what I can to disrupt things. Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, that's happened when I've lived in Texas. Uh, they've done that. I believe in Arizona too. 
uh, where they'll just take off because <laughs> they don't want to vote and trying to stall things. And eventually they come back, um, you know, under threat of arrest. Um, it, it's just gamesmanship. And it's, um, to be honest with you, as someone who's, you know, been involved in politics for a long time, part of me, it's kind of entertaining, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, it is fun to watch, but. Um, well, it would be funny if it wasn't so sad, but what's yeah. amazing to me is how often these people are videotaped doing or saying a certain thing. And then they can just, if they're on the democratic side, they're on the liberal side, they can just say, well, I didn't mean it. Or it was taken out of context and nobody bats an eye. Like the second, particularly the second Trump impeachment. Now I'm not as much of a fan of Trump right now as I was, cause he's kind of a stinker, but, uh, the second Trump impeachment, I'll never forget it because they were saying that he incited the January 6th crowd to violence. That was their purpose for doing it. But then the defense of Trump played a video where people like Maxine Waters and Cory Booker said, we literally want to punch this guy in the face. So he can, he can make something that could potentially be construed as a call for violence. And, and that's violence, but, they say something that can't be construed any other way. And they supposedly are, are a okay. Yeah. The double standard is ridiculous. I mean, going, going way back to the Obama administration, probably before, of course, but it got really bad during the Obama administration where you had fast and furious. You had the attorney general, Eric Holder uh, held in contempt of Congress because he wouldn't provide um, documents regarding Fast and Furious to Congress under subpoena. He never did produce those. He was found in contempt of Congress. You know what happened to him? Nothing. <laughs> so it's like nothing ever happens to these people. And, and then the IRS scandal, where during President Obama's re-election, the IRS was denying 501c3 status to conservative and Tea Party groups during a re-election, people forget that part, how serious that really was. Uh, and Lois Lerner was allowed to retire and, you know, she's still getting her pension for, to this day. And yet they're very fast to not only impeach President Trump, but he's been indicted. I lost track. I think it's four times now. And they're fast tracking all that stuff. In the meantime, they let the statute of limitations run out on most of Hunter Biden's charges. Um, so all of that to lead to this, the Bible says, woe to you who call evil good and good evil. And we know that in the last days, uh, we're going to see a lot more of evil being called good and good being called evil. What is your sense on the end of times? And do you feel like Jesus is coming soon, soon, or um, we've got some more time or you let God worry about the timing and, and you just go about his business. What, what is your feeling about all that? I believe that the rapture is eminent, so it could come at any day. Um, but I also believe that trying to spend time predicting the day is foolish, especially since Jesus said, no man knows the day or the hour. And so I live my life um, to the best of my ability with a thought probably not as much as I should about the fact that Jesus could come back any day. But I also know that there is kind of this idea 
that can float around from time to time that the imminent return of Christ means that I just need to hang on to my chair, keep my head down, and then Jesus will come back and everything will be all right. But I really believe that we need to shine brighter as things get darker. And I also believe that there are still things happening where people make a difference. We recently saw a story where a teacher was fired by a school board for reading a an inappropriate book to students in her classroom. It was a narrow vote. It was like five to four, like one person made the difference, but that shows how you can make a difference. Virginia's governor, Glenn Youngkin, owes his place in the governor's office to the fact that Virginia parents got fed up with the way Virginia schools were treating their kids and were like, we're not going to elect these same liberals again. Now, I think Virginia is a very interesting state in the fact that you can run for governor more than once in Virginia, but you're not allowed to run in consecutive terms. So I would be, I'll be really interested to see what happens when his term is ending, whether Winsome Sears, who I also like as the Lieutenant governor will run there or not, and whether he will stick around and be back four years later. But uh, we definitely see that people can still make a difference. Yeah. I, I love your answer about the rapture. Um, I absolutely am on the same page with you on that. You know, Jesus could come back in mid-sentence, you know, but he didn't. But he might come back in the next mid-sentence. Uh, so really, any time. Um, and yet, um, as my past pastor used to say, and still does, at Calvary Chapel Lubbock, I had him on a couple episodes ago. You know, you, you live your life like Jesus can come back any moment because he can, but you still plan your life. Like uh, he may not come back for a hundred years because that's just wisdom and you have to live your life. And so, you know, don't like, if you're me, don't eat ice cream every day and gain 200 pounds, uh, you know, have a little discipline in your life. Uh, don't, don't, you know, don't uh, give up the responsible things just because you think Jesus is coming back tomorrow. Um, so I, I, I loved your answer. It's, it's, it's a really good one. I do want to ask you about this though. I've covered this pretty well on this podcast in episodes one and three about the central bank digital currency, uh, the WEF, and also, um, you know, about AI rewriting the Bible, basic revelation, one world government, one world currency, one world religion. We certainly see those things lining up. Do you see the same thing? Absolutely. I mean, all you have to do is look at the COVID shutdowns to see how easily it is for the government to control us. Um, I wouldn't have thought before COVID that the government could just shut everything down in one fell swoop. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that uh, people are going more and more digital. Um, I hardly ever carry cash, although I do more in the last couple of years than I did before that, just because I like having cash with me. Um, but you also see, you know, one of our local ice cream parlors a couple uh, weeks ago said there was a global outage with their uh, point of sale system. So they were only accepting cash for the day. And so I, I, I think I posted that day. I was like in, in our cashless society, Cash is still important. Yeah. And 
you know, also just the way that they want you to switch to like digital meters or, or digital thermostats. And I think all of that is at least in part uh, because they want to ha have the opportunity to control you. If they decide that you shouldn't have your thermostat over 74 or whatever the number is, then, then they're much more easy. They're much more easily able to do that. If they get you a Wi-Fi enabled smart thermostat, which seems like a good idea, but probably isn't. And then it, I think it's laughable how much they're pushing electric cars when, first of all, as a disabled American, I have yet to see one that I could use. And second of all, there was recently a time when Jennifer Granholm, our energy secretary, yep. and several other dignitaries decided to take a cross-state trip to promote the use of electric cars and they didn't have enough chargers to charge their electric cars. And people that were just regular citizens that had electric cars were mad at them for taking the ones that were available. Yeah. Then you have power grid problems like the ones in California where Gavin Newsom says one week last summer, we're going to have all electric cars manufactured in California by 2035. And the next week he's like, don't charge your electric car. It makes no sense at all, except for when you look at it through the paradigm of the World Economic Forum and the UN and their Great Reset and them trying to move us towards what I call new communism. Satan's tactics don't change. Um, when I was going through school, they taught us about communism and they said the communists believe the reason why it failed in the Soviet Union was because it has to be a global system. And so now they're going to try a global system. We'll see how many millions of people they can kill this time if they're successful. And that's why I think, you know, what you're doing is so important, um, you know, to get the gospel out so that people who are not saved can get saved since Jesus is coming anytime now. And those of us that are saved, you know, that we encourage each other to use our gifts to walk out the good deeds that God has prepared for us in advance, because we know that we are God's forever. Nothing can change that if we're in Christ. And so that should give us boldness and at the same time in crazy times, peace. Well, and here's the weird thing to me is like, I, I know plenty of people that say we should be all about the gospel. Don't engage the culture. Don't talk about cultural issues. But the problem with that is, unless as a believer, you are going to engage with your culture, what does your believing have any major effect on the world? The Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. It is actually through, and I say this on my podcast all the time, it's actually through engaging in these issues that I can say, well, this is why I believe what I believe about this issue. This is why it's so important. For instance, I support the death penalty because in Genesis chapter 9, verse 6, it says, if a man kills a man, by man shall his blood be shed. And that was before the law of Moses, so it's not negated by the New Testament. I think it's a true thing that our justice system needs to continue to meet out. That being said, I do think there's enough evidence to indicate that we need to do a better job of making sure that the people that we execute are truly guilty because there have been some horror stories 
of people that spent years on death row only to find out that they actually were innocent. And, you know, we would do well to spend more time in Deuteronomy where God says at the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every thought be established. You know, I saw a recent trial uh, about a guy who was convicted of some sexual uh, misconduct. And I don't, it's not that I don't believe he did it, but I was a little bit troubled that there wasn't really physical evidence brought up. And so I really think that we need to be very careful because our justice system says that we find people guilty because we know beyond a shadow of a doubt. And so I just think we need to be really careful when we mete out justice in this country. That's why I am actually thankful for things like the Innocence Project that are saying there wasn't enough evidence to convict in this case, or there's new technology like DNA technology that can exonerate these people if they aren't guilty, but it doesn't make the law wrong. Right. It just means we need to do a better job of executing it. Yeah. And you know, you, you said at the beginning of our interview that um, you've been involved in prison ministry for how many years? 23 years this month. So being involved in prison ministry, um, how, how has that changed your perspective if it has, or how does it give you a unique perspective on these issues of justice. Well, how's this for a wake up call? I, the first time I went into the jail, I ran into a friend who was one of the inmates who was from my Sunday school days in the Baptist church. Wow. Yeah. And after I preached my sermon, he came up and hugged me and, and uh, it's really good to see him. Not a good place to see him, but it was really good to see him and connected. Now he's, he's gotten himself on a good road now, and he's trying to, to live for the Lord. And I'm happy about that. Um, but it's just interesting how, uh, that was my introduction to jail ministry, but the reality for, uh, the, the jail, uh, is that 75% approximately of people that go into the jail will go back to the jail uh, because it's a it's a cycle, and so the challenge is to share with them Christ, because Christ is the only one that can make a difference, and that is true of so many issues in our culture today. We see chaos and fighting and and all kinds of craziness, but yet when you bring up the fact that Jesus is the answer, people boo you off the stage or worse. You know, people like. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg or Sonny Houston on The View, for instance, should be all about telling people how they went from poverty to success and how you can do it too, instead of propagating the lie that America has a natural caste system and you'll never get out of it. Yeah. No, you're not wrong about that. I mean, um, part of ushering in the new communism is division. And the Obama administration really ramped up division to a new degree. And now, you know, one of the one of the slogans in this current administration is finish the job. Now, they make it sound like it's a good thing, but it's not a good thing. Um, my fear is that finish the job means finish the country, you know, and hand it over to the communists. Because during a communist revolution, which I believe we're going through that right now in our country, 
um, a big part of that is dividing people on anything you can divide them on. And the big ones they're hitting on are race, what they hit on in the Soviet Union that worked, that isn't working as well here, but they're still doing it, is, um, you know, that that uh, division in income, you know, the class warfare. So, you know, they're they're trying to divide us. And if you know Christ and you're in Christ, you know, you you don't have to fear because you told us to fear not. We can have his peace by having our minds perfectly stayed on him, knowing that he has control over all this. Let our lights shine, as you said. And um, and I would take that uh, just to elaborate a little bit more. You know, some people are called to politics. You know, some people are called um, in all different walks of life. Some people are praying grandmas. Some people work in as a school teacher. You know, every everybody doesn't have to be an activist, but everyone is called somewhere. And that's where we let our lights shine. And you certainly, in my opinion, you know, don't run down Christians who are called to politics because thank God they're there. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. I mean, the Proverbs say that when, when a good king is in power, the righteous rejoice. And so why would that not be true of us today? I, I was actually having a chat with a friend a couple weeks ago when my brother and I visited him and he said something about not liking politics and I was good natured about it but I said, we need good people in politics and it's probably people like you that are part of the problem. If you're not willing to be involved, how can there ever be good people in politics? And that's the problem with thinking that Christians should, should get out of Dodge when it comes to the political arena is because it will just get worse and worse. And I know that the Bible says, <coughs> the Bible says that as the end of time draws near, Things will get worse and worse, yeah. but I refuse to be part of the problem. <laughs> and I feel like so many Christians are actually part of the problem and they don't even realize it. Yeah. I love that, Andrew. That's a lot of wisdom, young man. I mean, you are a young man and you do have a lot of wisdom. I just get pumped up about that. Now, this whole time underneath you, it's been, it says speaking the number for him. And I just want to show people your website and talk a little bit more about your ministry because the website is speaking the number for him.com. And uh, this is you. This is uh, your, your ministry website. It uh, looks like you uh, preach regularly. Can you tell us some of the things that you're up to? Well, um, I, I preach at least once a month, usually about twice a month. I'd like that to rise to at least three times a month because I really would like to. Uh, make speaking for him my full-time endeavor. I've had various jobs through the years uh, and they've all been part-time. And, you know, that's, that's another topic that we could get into. I know that's not the general topic of your, of your podcast. So I don't want to rabbit trail too much, but, you know, people talk about people being discriminated against because of their race. I've been discriminated against a lot because of issues related to my disability. Um, but the difference between their thinking and my thinking is I blame the individual 
and they're blaming institutions. Right. And so I think there's a key difference there. But I do think we do have a problem in our country, and I think we could all agree with this to a certain extent, that we are scared of what we don't know. Yep. And we just we need to be willing to get to know people better so we have a more accurate uh, idea of what they actually are like or who they're actually who they actually are. Because I'm a pretty normal guy. <laughs> it's true. But there are people that allow themselves not to believe that. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm really sorry that you go through that and the many challenges that you've had through your life and that it still spills over into things like that. Um, I hate hearing that because it's not, it's not the heart of God, but we know that the world doesn't have God's heart. And I'm hoping that Christians don't treat you like that because that they're in error if they do, and they have some growing up to do. Um, now, th what's this? This men of valor here? Did you uh, write a? Did you actually write a book? I did write a book. Um, it's available in and as an ebook on Amazon, and also as a paperback. The paperback was updated in January of 2021, and the book came out of really my starting to contemplate what speaking for him would become when I was in college. Um, I was asked to write a five-year plan and that's when I really started to think about ministry as, as a vocation and as a focus. And of course it wasn't until three years after college that I started speaking for him, but I wrote men of valor. Um, and I think I first published it in 2018 as an ebook and then I redid the the ending chapter and um and some of the other stuff updated it for current day in 2021 and and released it as a paperback but basically what it came down to was I was contemplating uh, the youth of our country and I was thinking about the fact that in judges chapter 1 it says all the days of Joshua, they served God and all the days of the people that were elders in the time of Joshua, they served God. But when these men died, um, there arose a generation that knew not God, neither the works that he had done. And I was really convicted while still in college that that was not going to happen on my watch. And so that was the origin of speaking for him. That was the origin of the book. I started out writing a book for youth in general. And then I realized that God has a lot to say about the specific genders and what he has called them to. And there's nothing wrong with them being called to do different things. It's interesting that I got called to this about 10 years before the public gender wars. Yeah. But now we're now we're seeing it as a public gender war, and I'm like, but men and women, as unique as they are from one another, are each divine expressions of God's creativity. That's right. And eventually, um, I would maybe like to write a book about womanhood. Um, I probably wouldn't endeavor to do it myself. I'm still single, but I'm praying that God would would give me a wife who can help me in my ministry. Um, and so I'm, I, mean, I haven't lost hope of that. And, um, that could be a prayer request for your audience that they would pray that, that God would 
direct me to uh, the right person uh, because I feel like I've, I've suffered um, a lot in that area along with the job area of people um, not assuming that I'm good enough. Um, you know, I, I have, a, I've had a lot of people say, well, you're a great guy, but you're just not the guy for me, which is understandable to a degree, but it's happened so many times to me that I feel like it's more than just, I don't feel that way about you. And it's, there's actually a, a big part of it that is, I'm not even going to give you a chance. Yeah. And so I'm just praying for that one that doesn't run, as I like to say. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, we'll definitely uh, support you in prayer with that, Andrew, and agree with you on that. I would love to see you find the wife that you desire. And, um, you know, we'll see what God's going to do with that, man. Um, all right. So, again, the website, let me let me pull it back up again real quick. So if you go to speaking, the number for him.com, uh, you can order the book. You can share it with other people. You can find out more about Andrew. Um, and also you can donate to his ministry there and read his endorsements. There's a lot going on here. Um, now, you do take speaking engagements. How far are you willing to travel or has that been tested yet? How far would you I like to travel? I haven't been extremely tested in that regard. Uh -huh. um, I have spoken in Tennessee and Illinois. Nice. Um, Chris has talked about me coming to Iowa eventually. We'd love that. I hope so. At his church. Yep. Um, he wants to be sure that he can compensate me well for that journey. I always say that in the back of my mind, the dream is to have a Southern speaking tour every winter because <laughs> I love Michigan nine months out of the year. Yeah. But, but the other three I endure. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. And this is my first winter in Iowa after spending, you know, most of my life down in the Southwest. So I love snow. I grew up in Oregon and I, I I'm just a snow lover, but you know, after gosh, how many, almost 40 years in Arizona and Texas and New Mexico, uh, it's going to be my first real winter. And I, I'll be honest with you, Andrew. I'm excited about it. Our first freeze may be this Saturday. So it's already flannel flannel weather today. So I'm, I'm, I am excited about the cold weather coming. And I really do hope you get a chance to get to Iowa that Pastor Chris can bring you down because I, uh, I just like to see him in person. Um, you know, I just met you on no apology when you did the show with, uh, your friends, Chris, you know, Emily and Chris earlier this year. But I tell you what, man, I'd like to have you back periodically on this show too. You just are a young man, but with lots of godly wisdom. I would definitely love to be on as much as possible. I, I always say that I love podcasting and the only reason I don't do it five days a week myself is that I don't want to dilute my content. Yeah. It took a lot for me to add a second day, but <laughs> I'll be on as many of other people's podcasts as want me because I love this medium. I love the fact that people can listen on demand. And I love the fact that people can listen around the world. I have listeners in Germany and Spain and Australia, among other places. And so that's just a surreal thought to to think about. That's amazing. Andrew, 
Um, God bless you, brother. I'm so glad that you had the time to spend with us today. We will have you back. And in the meantime, uh, keep shining your light. All right. All right. Well, thank you uh, to everyone out there f- uh, for listening. Please, as Mike said, check out my stuff. And as I always end each and every broadcast, keep serving the best of masters. Awesome. Thank you, Andrew, so much. I appreciate you. All right. Andrew Gomison speaking the number four him.com. Do check him out there. Thank you for tuning in to Jesus is coming soon with Mike Shaw. We really do appreciate you. As Andrew said, Jesus could come back any minute. So keep looking up.